Someone told me this week, hey, Dan, I feel like I just got punched in the faith. Now, yeah, I'm going to keep you guessing a little bit about what I actually said there, because I'm going to tell you a story to get us started today. This is a story about a Native American tribe. Now, whenever the tribe was having difficulty finding new game, the chief would take a dried animal skin. He'd just crinkle it, crumple it up repeatedly until deep lines appeared. And then he'd mark it with some places where game was plentiful. Then he would tell the hunting party that this was an ancient map and that the crinkled lines showed the best hunting trails used by their ancestors. So armed with this new information, the hunting party would set out with confidence, boldness, enthusiasm, and surprisingly enough, would also find an abundance of game for the tribe. Now, the map was nothing but randomly created lines. So why did it unleash new success for the hunters? Well, I think we can see several reasons. One, it broke the rut of sameness. You know, have you ever felt like you're just doing the same thing? You created your own version of Groundhog Day, just the same thing over and over again. Sometimes it just helps to break that sameness. Also, it encouraged them to look in new places nearby, maybe just a little bit off the familiar path. It produced a positive anticipation. It put the tools for success in their hands. No excuses, no blaming. And it was presented as a hidden secret. Don't you just love those things that come out, you know, seven secrets never before revealed. Well, there's some mystique to that. We expect something that we've not been exposed to before, even if it turns out to be something that's pretty common. But I love the simplicity of this method. It seems to have not really a lot of science or substance behind it. Maybe we make the process of finding new opportunities too complicated. What map are you using right now? You know, is there something in this story that could help you move forward. Okay. So I spoke with a young man this week. It was in a group call. We we're on a zoom call. He was describing that about a year ago, he left a position as a worship leader in the church and he was just feeling like it was time for a change. He struggled since then with finding a clear focus. He struggled financially to provide for his family. He was hit with kind of a frivolous lawsuit that didn't make any sense. And he says, I just feel like I got punched in the face. Now, the common line there is you got punched in the face. Who was it, you know, Mike Tyson, who said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. But I really wasn't sure what this young man said, because it fit for him to have said, I got punched in the faith. F-A-I-T-H, faith. His faith got hit hard too. We're thinking God was directing, leading, had a plan for him, and all of a sudden he's feeling lost, directionless. Yeah, I got punched in the faith. Thought, wow, what a what a great line that is. All right. Hey, let's get started. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. 
Well, we're going to be taking care of business. We got some great questions today. I've got some quotations today interspersed here that you're going to have a pen and paper handy. Jot some of these down. Have a way to go back and listen to them. Just kind of emphasize some of the questions we're going to be looking at. Yeah, this is 48 days each week. We take real life questions from you, the listeners, about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. So here's some of the questions today. Dan, why should I keep trying when God keeps closing the door in my calling? How about this one? I was given a raise because of my sales volume and then fired a week later. What do I tell a new employer about my reason for leaving my last job? Now you're going to love how that unfolded. Dan, please tell me if I'm crazy. I want to be the Jack LaLanne of the baby boomer generation. If you're too young to know who Jack Lane was, uh, stick around. We'll kind of lay that out for you. And then somebody says, am I lazy, scared, lacking self-discipline, or all the above? So those are some of the great questions we're going to get to. Our quotation comes from Mandy Hale. I thought about using the Mike Tyson quotation, but I really eh, cringe a little bit at using Mike Tyson as our reference for a great thinking and philosophy. So we'll just throw that one out. But this one comes from another author, Mandy Hale, who said, if God closes a door and a window, consider the fact that it might be time to build a whole new house. Let me run that by you again. Some of you may be feeling that, especially in light of, you know, the last 18 months, what we've been through. If God closes a door and a window, consider the fact that it might be time to build a whole new house. All right, a resource today is going to be our worksheets, because some of the questions relate to things we've got in there, business plan, other resources. Just go to 48days.com slash worksheets. That's the massive resource sheet that we have available really if you go through 48 days to the work you love but it's the worksheets that emphasize expand on the concepts in there and you'll want to access that for some of the things that i'm going to be uh, talking about here today so i also want to just share with you this year a lot of you are members of our 48 days eagles community the great community where people share resources and ideas so generously help each other and spur each other on to success. We're going through Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, the old classic written in 1937. We're going through that a chapter at a time, a chapter every fourth Monday of the month. We just went through decision this week. Decision, how to break the process of the habit of procrastination, how to have a process for making decisions to move you forward. One of the key characteristics of highly successful people, incidentally, is that they make decisions quickly. In thinking about what we're going to do next year, we had people submit suggestions for books that we might want to unpack. Well, they came in in droves. We have tons of books. It's it's wonderful to realize all the books that are out there that have impacted people in a positive way and are helping them move forward. What I think we're going to do, I'm kind of running this up the flagpole with our community, is to rather than try to find one book, I mean, if we go through one book a year, that's uh, hard to get through a whole lot of them. And there are really, I don't think there are many books that would lend themselves to spending an entire year on them. But there are a lot of books that I'd like to have people exposed to 
I think what I'm going to do is take one book each of the 12 months of next year, 2022, and just review it, engage people who have read that book in what their takeaways are. So if you've read any of these books, I'm going to be wanting to hear what were your takeaways? How did it impact you? So we can have you actively involved in the presentation for that particular book. These are the ones that I'm thinking that we're going to do in no particular order, but this is probably the lineup we'll go. Number one, how to win friends and influence people, Dale Carnegie. Number two, see you at the top by Zig Ziglar. Number three, the magic of thinking big, David Schwartz. Number four, future proofing you, Jay Samet. That's a fairly recent book. Number five, the success principles by Jack Canfield. Number six, the dip, Seth Godin, knowing when to quit been working on something for a long time, it's not working, maybe the smartest thing you can do is quit. Number seven, Deep Work by Cal Newport, a book that dramatically impacted how I schedule my work week. Number eight, The Millionaire Mind, Thomas Stanley. Number nine, High Performance Habits, Brendan Bouchard. Number 10, Free to Focus, Michael Hyatt. Number 11, Daily Rituals, Mason Curry. Delightful book, where he just goes through historical figures that were celebrities, well-known people, artists, thinkers, authors, and so on. Um, You know, there's an author who would keep a rotten apple in his desk drawer. If that one disintegrated totally, he wanted a new one there because somehow he thought the stench stimulated his inspired writing. Just funny habits like that, strange habits uh, that people use over and over and over again. Um, that was number 11. Number 12, Tools of Titans, Tim Ferriss. It's a massive compilation of people that Tim has interviewed on his popular podcast, habits that they have. Those are the ones that I think we're going to go through. So I hope you'll join us on that journey, but that's a list. I'll put that list in the show notes as well. Just a list of books that I think can change your life and lead you into a life of abundance and joy. All right, a couple of good news things. I always like to have good news to kick us off. And believe me, there's plenty of it out there. If you're not hearing anything but bad news, you're watching the wrong channels, listening to the wrong sources, because there's a lot of good news out there. This is just a fun story. There was a fisherman in Thailand. It seems a lot of these rags to riches stories lately have been coming from Thailand. But he was a fisherman, and he caught um, a large sea snail that he was taking home. He took it home. They were cooking it, cut it open, cutting the meat, and hit on a pearl. Now, this is one of those really rare, bright yellow-orange pearls. They've had it evaluated, checked it out. Looks like it's going to be worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $350,000. Just a fun story, but what would you do? How would your life change if you caught a fish and there was something in its mouth uh, that was valuable, or if you pulled up a clam and there was a pearl in there that was worth a lot of money, or somehow you were out in your farm and you dug and you hit what turned out to be a treasure chest that was buried there years ago and it had $100,000 in it, you know, rare coins. What would you do? How would your life change? You know, would, would you really change your life dramatically or would you just kind of go on? Would you just share it with others? What would you do if you had a, a windfall like that that gave you more financial resources than you've ever had in your life. All right, here's another one. There's a a realtor in Missouri determined to make her hometown a city where no one sleeps outside. 
gal's name is Linda Brown, her husband, David, she's a realtor. And they, for years, had kind of a makeshift shelter where they would have people who were struggling stop in. They could eat, shower, do their laundry, use a computer, and just hang hang out, play bingo games, karaoke. But they wanted to do more than that. So they found an abandoned mobile home property. Now, these are the kind of ideas that really excite me, where we take something that is has been discarded and repurpose the use of it. You know, I've talked about people who... Um, bought a hotel that had been abandoned for 10 years and they repurposed it into little tiny homes for people. Uh, This is similar to that. So they found an abandoned mobile home property into a village of tiny homes. So they, they bring them in on wheels. So it still meets the same kind of codes as what was required for the mobile home park, but they are really permanent homes. They set them up as such so she raised some money because other people care about this as well. So she raised $4.75 million, opened Eden Village just a year or so ago. And they've now got 31 tiny homes there that are occupied by people who are formerly homeless or battling abuse of some kind. And they, they're just giving them a chance. They can live there. They pay $300 a month to live there. Most of them are getting some kind of a government check that more than covers that. And so all of a sudden, there's 31 people or families that have these tiny homes. Now, it's just, it's a way to reach out. It's a way to help those who are struggling. But I love the idea of just taking an abandoned mobile home park like that, turning it into something really useful. All right, let's go into the questions. So not long ago, and again, this, this comes up so often, some of these questions that are in this theme, but this is the one based on, you know, God keeps closing the door on my calling, which just really hit me with the way she framed this. So it was after I had spoken and there was a lady approached me with a question. She was obviously very discouraged, low self-esteem, poor eye contact, and just overall a really weak personal presentation. But her question was this. She was very clear about her question. Why should I keep trying when God keeps closing the door in my calling? Now think about that. There's a whole lot packed into that. Why should I keep trying when God keeps closing the door in my calling? Now that's a question that would stump a theologian, which I am not. But if God calls us to something, when do you open the doors to make that happen? Now frankly, I I really don't think her question is that complicated? Now, I'm speaking in generalities here because I already had the conversation with the lady, so I'm not answering her specifically. I'm opening this up as kind of something for us all to think about. I don't think her question's that complicated, but I think she needs to take a fresh look at her calling. Now, we talk about that a lot. I mean, I break that down in 48 Days to the Work You Love. It's a real core principle, the distinction between vocation or calling and career and job calling or vocation, that's the big picture. What you want to be remembered for, how you want to make a difference in the world, that's your calling. Career is a subset of that. So if you want to make the world a better place, or you want to reduce pain and suffering in the world, you know, you could be a physician, you could be a massage therapist, you could be a biologist, you could be a teacher, you could be a politician. There's a lot of th- careers that would fully embrace that calling. But this gal said she's always wanted to be a counselor. So she got a bachelor's degree in psychology. Then she was rejected from entering graduate school in counseling. 
So she spent three years, went deeply in student loan debt to get her master's of divinity degree, thinking that would open the door. She then applied for the graduate counseling program again, but was rejected once more. So she took an entry-level job with the community counseling agency, but was let go after a couple of months. She told me she was never married, lives alone, has few friends. I asked her if people were coming to her now for her advice and opinion, to which she replied, no. That's why she needed the degrees in counseling. Now, this gets really circular, but I think this is a misinterpretation of calling. If God calls us to something, there's going to be an affirmation of that in many ways. If God is calling you to be a musician, you'll likely already have shown talent in that area and have lots of people telling you to move in that direction. If God's calling you to counsel or coach, I'm confident people are already telling you their problems and you're surprised by the wisdom that you're frequently able to offer. Yes, I do think it requires work and struggle to be effective, even if we are operating in our calling. But I don't think God calls us to something that does not line up with our passions, talents, personality traits, and dreams. Okay, again, we, we could park there a long time, but I think that's kind of a, enough of an overview of this idea of being called to something and then all the doors are closed. No, I think you need to go back and revisit that calling. Thomas Merton, who was a, a great theologian and author, whose writings I've enjoyed for years, Thomas Merton said, a tree gives glory to God by being a tree. For in being what God means it to be, it is obeying him. The more a tree is like itself, the more it is like him. All right. Put a little music in here to switch gears. Just a reminder, these are questions, tough questions. I love the tough questions. Keep them coming. Keep sending those in to me at askdan at 48days.com. So if you got a question you're struggling with, I'm on to choose questions where it's going to help not only you, the listener, but probably other people in a similar situation as well. So if you've got a success story or resources you want me to share with others or a question about where you are, just shoot those into me again at askdan at 48days.com. Now, this comes from Kim. I've got kind of a follow-up on this because it happened a couple of weeks ago, and I've already had a chance to respond to her and get her response back. But this is the deal. She said in her original note, I was just fired from a small business of 15 years due to harassment of a fellow employee. The first I heard about the harassment was in my termination email. I was given a raise the week before due to selling $160,000 of our product in six weeks. I worked 100% from home, so email was the main contact with the office. When asked for proof of harassment, nothing was given. I was shocked at the accusation. For my own sanity, I went back through and reread all the emails. Nothing. I feel like this is a false accusation. If I when, when I so my question is, she says, how do I answer the question? Why did you leave your last employer? Well, I wrote back to Kim immediately, and in essence, I said, if you have the ability to sell one hundred sixty thousand dollars of anything in a short period of time, working totally from home. The next company is not going to care why you left your last employer. I mean, you don't even have to address it. 
just to have on your resume that you worked at XYZ company from, well, 15 years would have been from 2006 to 2021, which brings you up to current. It doesn't even have to show that you're not still there. When companies are as desperate as they are for competent workers, especially salespeople as they are today, wow, you're in the driver's seat when it comes to your job search. You can pick and choose what kind of company you want to share your talent with next. Now, that's the deal. See, when, when you do get fired, there's a tendency to think, oh my. I mean, it really is a blow to your self-esteem. Your self-confidence is low and all that. That's a game that's happening between your own two ears. If you've got good marketable skills, if you've got proven ability, you can walk out the next day. I mean, the next company you talk to is not going to know that history. You don't need to worry about, gee, they're going to do all this digging and find out. They're going to go back for references. I mean, again, with companies being so eager to bring people on, it's rare that somebody's even picking up the phone to call references. I'm often used as a reference on people's emails because I work with a lot of people who are in transition and moving into something new and they put me as a reference. I don't get two calls a year from companies checking references. It just rarely happens. So don't think it's going to be hanging over your head. Well, I got a, I got a note from Kim. She says, oh my gosh, thanks so much for, for answering my question. I was crying with relief. It's amazing how trapped my brain gets with Papa's possible solutions. I never dreamed your answer would be that my termination is a non-issue. I've been catching up on old episodes of your podcast. I have a few ideas for starting my own business, so I might choose me. I'm in a much better place now. Thank you again for your words of encouragement. Now, that's interesting because I hadn't even suggested that. I just said in her job search, when she goes looking for another job, she's going to be in the driver's seat. But you know what? See, that little boost of confidence, that little bit of saying, wait a minute, I don't need to think I'm in a position of weakness. I'm in a position of strength. That little boost of weakness all of a sudden opened some new options for her to look at the scope of possibilities where it's not even, ooh, I need to go get another job. It's like, wow, if I've got the ability to sell, I really am in the driver's seat. And I, I love her response to that. Reminded me of a, a quote from Roy Williams, who's, I get his, Monday morning memos have for years. He's been great in the advertising arena. Anyway, a really bright guy. Roy says this, a person is motivated to start their own business when they have more confidence in their ability than they have in their resume. Let that sink in a little bit. I'm going to use that again. I just ran across it recently again. I used it years ago. A person is motivated to start their own business when they have more confidence in their ability than they have in their resume. It's pretty interesting. All right. This comes from Steve. Now, Steve is a longtime listener, been a longtime member of our 40 Days Eagles community. I love his question here. We're going to have some fun with this. Steve says, hi, Dan. Please tell me if I'm crazy. I want to be the Jack LaLanne of the baby boomer generation. Well, kind of. He says, I hope you know who he was. Well, <laughs> Jack LaLanne. I know that we've got listeners in a broad age range. We've got listeners who are 13 years old and listeners who are 91 years old. I know those specifically and a lot in between. Jack Lane was a guy. He was born in 1914, died 
in 2011, just a few years ago. Well, geez, that's 10 years ago now. He was 96 years old, and he was the guy you'd see on TV working out. I mean, when he was 95 years old, uh, right up to the end, I mean, he was showing people how to exercise, how to jump, how to run, how to do uh, jump rope, I mean, all kinds of things. I remember seeing him well, but certainly I do know who he was, Steve. So you want to be the Jack Lane of the baby boomer generation. Steve says, I'm 67, but I feel like I have the energy of my 18-year-old self. Am I fooling myself? Maybe, but I like having that mindset. Years of martial arts and other activities have helped me achieve and maintain robust physical capabilities. I hear many people my age say that they're too old for things. This breaks my heart to see them put an artificial limitation on their life. I don't want my generation to feel old. I want them to be lim- I don't want them to be limited in their thinking or abilities. Anyway, I'm calling this Living Forever Young. Remember the Bob Dylan song? There's another old guy. Bob Dylan song by that title. Yes, I certainly do. He did that. I've heard him do that with uh, Bruce Springsteen and others. Forever Young, old famous Bob Dylan song. It's a mindset, Steve says, but it's also actions. For the past few years, I've been gripped with the concept of being my best. That whole concept of being my absolute best in everything that I do is incredibly motivating to me. Why not be my best? Why settle for half-hearted effort? It's led me to seek out the best advice and coaching for my health and well-being. It's led me to having a financial coach. It's led me to getting my personal trainer certification. It leads me to listen to you and be inspired by your wisdom. I've always been an encourager of people, seeing the good things in them, their potential and possibilities. I even thought of being a professional encourager. Talk to me and you'll feel better about yourself. So do you think I can help baby boomers change their health, fitness, and mindset so they can have a live forever young lifestyle? I know you are already live forever young, and that's one reason I love listening to you so much. I've included a PDF of how I plan to live forever young as a free resource to introduce myself to others. Any comments you have would be greatly appreciated. And of course, your suggestions on how to best proceed would be invaluable to me. I attended Coaching with Excellence in 2014. I feel like I have been on the doorstep of Coaching Mastery with, without ever stepping through the door. Maybe it's time to kick that door down. All right, well, that'd be cool to have you join us in Coaching Mastery. All right, Steve. So, Jack Lane, do I think you can do this? Absolutely. I think it's a wonderful idea. And it's also a brilliant idea to attach your name to something well-known. You know, when you, if you do a PR release, you do a press release, you don't just put out there, gee, I want to help people. You know, one one time when there was a, a high-profile pastor who had made some really poor decisions, I did a press release and I titled it, Mama, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys or Pastors. Now that Mama, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys, it was a very famous a Willie Nelson song. You know, he did it with the Highwaymen, Chris Christopherson, Johnny Cash, and all those. But Mama, don't let your babies go. So I leveraged that familiarity and then added or pastors and then wrote that piece. That PR piece was picked up 64,000 times in the first 48 hours by news media releases. And it's, it generated interviews, speaking opportunities, writing articles, and all kinds of things for me. So attaching yourself to something that's well-known is a really proven model. I mean, many of you listen to my son Kevin's podcast. Kevin Miller is host of The Ziegler Show. 
He is friends with Tom Ziegler, Zig's son. And he started doing the Ziegler show. Well, he's done it for the last six years now. The Ziegler show has been downloaded 54 million times. 54 million downloads. I mean, that puts him, I mean, the top, not the top 1%, the top one-tenth of 1%. It's so popular. Why? I mean, Kevin came into the scene. Nobody knew him. He didn't have an established name, but he used the Ziegler name and the power of that name exploded his success. I mean, he has sponsors standing in line. It's been extremely profitable for him in so many ways. Doors of opportunity that have been open. You can do the same thing by using Jack Lane. Jack was a really well-known, credible guy, you know, lots of integrity, not a lot of scandal or anything. He, he wrote a book titled Live Young Forever, 12 Steps to Optimum Health, Fitness, and Longevity. Uh, that came out actually in 2009 when Jack was already 95 years old. But I think you can do a lot to leverage just taking that. And incidentally, if there's a book title like that, Live Young Forever, you can use that title. I mean, book titles, you can't protect those. I mean, if you go and look at um, Ken Geyer has a book that Joanna and I love, Windows of the Soul. If you look up Windows of the Soul on Amazon, you're going to see seven or eight books that have essentially the same exact title. So you can use that, especially there's not something in there that's a unique, they're just generic words, live young forever. But if you connect it with the legacy of Jack Lane, I mean, I think you can have a lot of fun with that. You know, use the, the Bob Dylan song, Forever Young, you know, pull from that. Pulling from those things that are already familiar can really help you leverage this. Now, as to your PDF, what you've already put out there, how you're going to live forever, you address in there, Laugh, travel, learn, exercise, diet, technology, friendships, purpose, self-talk, attitude, love well, no stress, look the part. Now, those are all legitimate things, and it's a wonderful overview of what you're going to do. But you will get way more traction if you focus. Focus in on what it is. Now, you said in there one line, you said, do you think it can help baby boomers change their health, fitness, and mindset? I would go right there. Just stick with those three, health, fitness, and mindset, so they can have a live forever young lifestyle. Yeah, I do that. Be careful of being so broad that nobody knows really what your unique, your distinctiveness is. Focus in. You might, you, you might use specific training techniques that Jack Lane used. I mean, I have, as a kid, I bought the Charles Atlas program. I think it's like 11 lessons. And I paid a lot of money at the time as a little kid to get those so I could end up looking like Charles Atlas. Still have those somewhere. I'm not sure where they are, but I need to look them up. But you know, leverage those icons in history like that, whose names are recognizable, in what you're doing to accelerate your success. So it's not just starting with a clean slate, a blank piece of paper. No, you leverage by using those icons in history. I love what you're doing, man. I, th I think that, I think that can really, you know, work well for you. You know, one of the things that when, when people present like this, Steve and others listening now, when you have an idea like that, there's a sequence, and I keep working on this. I keep refining this sequence because it, it comes up, and I find that there's, having some kind of a sequence is 
helpful. And incidentally, Steve, in what you're doing, having a process, having some kind of steps, five steps, nine steps, 10 days, you know, whatever it is. And mine, obviously I've used 48 days that has worked extremely well for me, but have some kind of a process. So there's an end game that somebody knows this is the goal. This is what I'm going to get to. So it's not just open-ended, yeah, you'll feel better if you do this. No, say, you know, you can accomplish these results if you go through this process, make it tangible. If there's one thing that'll keep people away, it's it's lack of clarity about what it is that you're offering. So you want to be really, really clear. But here's the sequence that I keep coming back to again and again. Start with curiosity, move to proficiency, then develop your passion identify purpose, give a promise, and you'll see profit. So it's curiosity, proficiency, passion, purpose, promise, profit. That's something you're going to be hearing from me. I I may tweak it. I may add something again. I just changed it a little bit this week. But that's something that I'm going to be using as kind of a framework to respond to a whole lot of the questions coming in. Trust this process. Curiosity, proficiency, passion, purpose, promise, profit. All right, a couple more. Brenda says, there's a provision in my state's law that allows manicurists to offer services to individuals in health facilities. I would like to offer natural manicure, pedicure services to women recovering from childbirth in maternity wards at a few area hospitals using nail polishes that are fume-free and safe for breastfeeding women. Would love to hear your thoughts. I love how specific you are in that. I really do. I love how specific you are to do manicures for women recovering from childbirth. I think you've got some interesting challenges in developing a business model from that. You know, who is your customer? Is it the individual mothers that you have to go find one at a time? Is it the health facilities? Is it the hospitals, the birthing centers? Is it them? your approach is going to be different based on who you really think your audience is, who will be paying for this. This is not something where they're going to turn it into their insurance. And a lot of people in hospitals expect that everything they get there is going to be free. So is it something that you can have an incentive to make the provider, the healthcare providers, the hospital, the birthing centers to actually provide that? Could you get sponsored by the manufacturers of the the nail car that you're going to use. I mean, that, that's certainly a possibility. You could have a couple of products that you go in and introduce these mothers to where it's the product providers, the product manufacturers that are paying you for each individual basket that you deliver. I mean, it's certainly common. I mean, in essence, you're doing like a welcome wagon. You know, when we moved into a community here uh, recently, we were deluged with organizations that wanted to bring us welcome packages. Well, what those are is just a way for local merchants and different product manufacturers to have introduction to us as new residents in an area. You could certainly take that approach as well. It's probably a better approach to do that than probably easier to make that work than trying to be paid by either the mother or the healthcare facility. Ted says, I get excited about your train of thought and even imagine how great it would be to apply the method you mentioned in your programs into my... All right, I need to start over. 
I need to read this slower. Ted says, I get excited about your train of thought and even imagine how great it would be to apply the methods you mentioned in your programs to my own life. Yet when it comes time for action, I end up watching mindless television reruns and obnoxious commercials. Wow, that's a mouthful. Okay, and Ted says, am I lazy, scared, lacking self-discipline, or all of the above? Mm, yes, probably a little bit of all of that. How do you break that cycle? You don't just superimpose a plan of action, methods that I talk about, or things that I have in our 48 Days product suite. You don't just superimpose that. Again, you've got to start with your curiosity. What is it that gets you excited? I mean, don't just try to force yourself to not be like you are. No, get excited about something. And it's like having a garden. You know, if you do nothing, weeds are going to grow. And the weeds are going to reproduce. You're going to, it's going to be full of weeds. You have to take action to keep those out. And you do that by planting carrots and corn and beans and peas, cucumbers, whatever you want in there. You plant those and then you pull out the weeds and you nurture and fertilize and water those things that you want to grow. Same is true in your own personal growth. So you've got to take the initiative at planting something that you're excited about. Again, take that process that I was just talking about where you follow your curiosity, proficiency, passion, purpose, promise, profit, Start with your curiosity, Ted. There's got to be something that excites you. Something that you can attach to having a process for personal growth and transformation. Don't focus on the process. Focus on the end result. What is the transformation that you want in your life? If you want to feel better physically, if you want to have better relationships, if you want to increase your financial net worth, you know, focus on what is the transformation that you want, then use a process to help you get to that goal. It's just a method for getting there once you identify what is the end result. Well, God, we could keep going forever. Again, thanks for your questions. Keep those coming in. Shoot those in to askdan at 48days.com. We've got a lot of things going on. We're just ready to get starting to roll into a, yet another new month. Heading into the last part of 2021, the year that we were so eager to get to, is uh, almost over. So start planning for 2022, what you want that year to look like. Put in place now the things, you know, start planting those seeds now. Start planting your tomatoes and peas and corn so they'll be in full bloom when January comes around. You'll be reaping the benefits rather than just starting the process then. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions for being open to growing, for being a powerful force, for making the world a better place, and for believing without a shadow of a doubt that we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.